Thank you, Chair. We are live and staff is ready when you are. Great, thank you. Good evening, all uh, commissioners. If you could please turn your cameras on. Uh, welcome to the City of Sacramento's Preservation Commission meeting for December 15th, 2021. Uh, clerk, uh, we'll start with the roll call. So please take the roll. Uh, commissioners, please unmute yourselves. Thank you, Chair. Member, uh, Commissioner Carter. Here. Commissioner Lemon. Here. Commissioner Miller. Did I'm here. Join, wonderful. Commissioner Whitelam. Here. Vice Chair Miller-Cruz. Here. And Chair Valania. Here. Thank you, we have quorum. Thank you. So for members of the public uh, participating this evening via Zoom, uh, if you'd like to speak on an agenda item, please use the uh, raise your hand function uh, when the item begins and uh, that will uh, alert the clerk that you'd like to provide public comment and you'll be called on at that time. Uh, so with that, we will move on to the agenda. There are no changes to the agenda this evening. The first item is the consent calendar, and there are three items on it this evening. Uh, first is the approval of the minutes from the October 20th, 2021 uh, meeting. Second is the adoption of the 2022 regular meeting calendar, which remains the every third Wednesday with no meeting in July uh, timeframes. And then third is to receive and acknowledge uh, the teleconference meetings during the uh, COVID-19 state of the emergency will continue per uh, the governor and city council's direction. Uh, so we'll take all of these items together. Uh, do any of the commissioners have uh, any comments or wish to speak on any of these items? Okay, hearing none, uh, Clerk, is there any uh, comment, public comment on any of these? Chair, there are no members of the public who wish to make comment on the consent calendar tonight. Great, thank you. Uh, so with that, uh, do I have a motion to approve the consent calendar? I'll make a motion to approve the consent calendar. Thank you, do I have a second? I'll second the motion. Thank you. So. Uh, Motion by uh, Vice Chair Miller-Cruz and second by Commissioner Miller. Uh, clerk, please take the roll. Thank you. Commissioner Carter. Uh, yes. Commissioner Lemon. Yes. Commissioner Miller. Yes. Commissioner Whitelam. Yes. Vice Chair Miller-Cruz. Yes. And Chair Valania. Yes. Thank you, motion passes. Thank you. So with that, we'll move on to the public hearings. Uh, the first item is item four on the agenda, the appeal of 1901 8th Street, the KIND project. Uh, before we begin, I will ask if there are any 
uh, recusals or disclosures uh, from the commission. Okay, um, Chair, I'd like to disclose that I did um, meet with members of the Southside Parkside Neighborhood Association on December 3rd virtually. Um, I do not comment on anything. They basically presented, um, you know, their items of concern, um, which I appear to me to be addressed in the um, in the staff report. But I, I think it's probably appropriate for me to get into that more fully later in the com when when we com when we discuss it. So, thank you. Um, I was also uh, contacted via email by the Southside Park Neighborhood Association. Uh, to which I did not respond to their um, invite. Does anyone else have any uh, I, received the, I received an email and I did not respond. Same situation with me. Similar for me as well. I received the email, but uh, requested that we not meet ahead of time. I'd like to give uh, you know, equal opportunity to both um, sides from reviewing the packet. So we, I did not have a meeting. Great, uh, thank you. So with that, I will uh, pass this to staff for their presentation. And it will, we will have the staff presentation, the applicant, and then the appellant, and then um, we'll go from there. I believe, uh, Chair Bologna, if I may, um, I am going to turn this over to our um, to our planning staff from the Central City and Design Review team. I was the hearing officer on the project, so I'm going to step away from the meeting uh, so as not to influence your decision tonight. Thank you. So I will return for item number five. Great, so I believe we're uh, passing this to uh, Associate Planner Lopez. Yes, does everybody see the PowerPoint? Yes. Thank you. Uh, good evening, Preservation Commissioners and Chair. This project requests approval of an entitlement for a site plan design review. The project was approved at a public hearing by the preservation director on October 7, 2021. Within the 10-day appeal period, the Southside Park Neighborhood Association submitted an appeal based on unsubstantiated dismissal of parking requirements, issues of affordability, small unit size, and outsized building design. I will provide an overview of the project and following my presentation, the applicant followed by the appellant have requested to make a brief presentation. An application was submitted on May 27, 2021 to demolish a portion of an existing commercial building, which is a contributing resource. Remodel a 2,053 square foot single story portion of the existing commercial building and construct a new three story 31,427 square foot multi-unit residential addition with 72 dwelling units and associated site improvements with a waiver of 42% required off-street parking within the general commercial 
C2 aspirin zone, the Central City Special Planning District, and Southside Historic District. The project is located on the northwest corner of 8th and S Streets and on the northern edge of the Southside Historic District at S Street. Background, project background and influencing elements. The new three-story 72-unit apartment design was presented by William and Patton Architects and Planners and Urban Elements Inc. The design team engages engaged with staff early and we worked the project design and scope with preservation staff's input to better complement the district and design standards. The iterative process with staff was cooperative as we worked through design changes, such as treatment of the stairways, mural opportunities on south and east elevations, and the parking and bicycle solutions to find a respectful composition of reinterpreted district elements to integrate into the South Side Historic District. Changes, as you can see, are murals on the east and south elevations, as well as exterior stairs, having a covering to shelter them from the elements. Current conditions show the existing commercial building on the corner of 8th and S Street, with the rest of the lot dedicated to parking. Solon's Alley, located at the south end of the park, can be seen on the lower right. Proposed solution using the historic district plan's principles. The historic district plan's design standards and criteria expand on and are consistent with the U.S. Secretary of Interior standards. Therefore, the finding that the project is consistent with the Southside Historic District Plan supports the finding that the project is consistent with the standards. Staff supports the following findings to be consistent. Design guideline 3.1 concerning scale, massing, and proportions. Guideline 3.2 concerning the height in relation to surrounding contributing buildings. New info construction 3.1 concerning the front facade of the contributing resource. 3.2 concerning primary facades orienting towards primary streets. 3.8 concerning maintaining the street grid and circulation. And lastly, 3.16 concerning taller buildings and corner sites. The proposed design style does not replicate the historic contributing structure, so as not to create false historicism, but still complements the surrounding historic district. The project is set back in the contributing structure to allow the structure to sit proud in the corner of 8th and S2. In addition, the proposed building is taller and modern enough so as to not to be, not to be mistaken as an original historic building and is within the recommended height guidelines with adjacent buildings, such as 815 S Street and 730 S Street. The proposed new multi-unit residential building strives to stand on its own architectural merits of its own time. While the design is more modern, the contemporary reinterpretation will use modern materials and composition, including stepping back the building from the front and street side setbacks, cement plaster siding, vinyl storefront windows in all residential units, block patterning used along street frontages, like fourth floor entries and the balconies, horizontal banding, 
metal railings and a darker color palette. The project provides numerous multi-unit options, studios, studio with office, single bedroom, and two bedroom, and an info site that pays respects to the existing contributing structure on site and acknowledges the existing development within the Southside Historic District while providing new housing in the central city. The project supports city's transit-oriented development goals and policies to provide a compact mixed-use building. The mixed-use building would, would replace a surface parking lot with the mixed-use development that provides active street frontages with separate entry points on both streets. Development, the development would include bicycle parking and is within a half mile of the light rail station. Due to the small site, proximity to commercial services, parking and public transit options, and the active transportation options available in the area, the applicant proposed limited on-site parking dedicated solely to residents and a 42% reduction in on-site parking was sought during the entitlement process. The site was initially posted on May 27th. On June 14th, the applicant and city staff attended a virtual Southside Park Neighborhood Association meeting to introduce the project to the association and receive comments from the community. On July 28th, the applicant conducted a community meeting at the site within the existing commercial space and invited all who showed interest in the development and the SPNA. City staff attended and answered questions during the meeting. Both meetings were well attended from the members of the SPNA and neighbors. The comments were generally in opposition with concerns revolving around lack of parking, affordability of the building units, the small size of the units, and the size of the new development. Staff received further comments and inquiries about the project, both for and against the, and against the project via email. At the writing of this report, 21 emails in opposition and four emails in support for the project have been received by staff throughout the, throughout the entitlement process prior to this commission hearing. And as of now, we have five e-comments. Staff supports the project because it meets all the criteria for the site plan and design review approval. Further, the project is consistent with the traditional neighborhood medium density general plan designation, the central city specific plan, the C2 SPD zone, the central city SPD, the Secretary of Interior Standards for the Treatment of Historic Properties, the Southside Historic District Plan, and the Central City Zone Guidelines. The project provides a street presence and engages both public street frontages while now outshining or replicating existing historic resources within the Southside Historic District. Further, the project will activate an underutilized surface parking lot and provide much needed new housing in the Central City carrying on the positive momentum of development and investment in the city. Staff recommends the Preservation Commission approve the requested entitlements and thereby denying the appeal based on the findings of fact and subject to the conditions of approval. Both the applicant and appellant have requested to make the presentation and staff is available for any questions the commission may have. Are there any commissioner uh, just questions at this time? before we move on to the other presentation. I have, I have a short question, um, but I, I don't know if it's for the, well, it's, if you can go back to the, um, 
you had like a perspective um, of the corner. You were on it right there. The bicycle parking that's shown there, is that, uh, is that just an artist concept or is that going to be provided? On the street. On the street, yes, yeah. That is existing actually. So that's like, that's like what, about six spaces of six? That bikes? is eight spaces. And, and that's going to be retained as well? Yes, that is going to be retained. Okay, and then um, the other question I had is in the staff report, it says um, that there's parking. That's one of the things, reasons why it's okay is there's parking provided on uh, 8th and on S streets. Um, what are the, what are the parking? I mean, is it how long can you park there? I know it's it's good because there's not a lot of curb cuts, so there's a lot of space, relatively a lot of spaces there. But what are the hours restrictions on on sure. the parking? So parking in confirming with parking services, the site is not located in RPD zone. It's a commercial corridor, and the parking is ten hour parking. Um, on 8th and S streets along the project's frontages. So any, anybody can park there for 10 hours? Yes. And it's non-metered? No, it's metered, 10 hour parking. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Any other questions? Okay, then uh, we will move on to the applicant. Let's see if someone's speaking, we can't hear you. Yes, I do see that Julie Young is, um, is, is, is attempting to speak. Unfortunately, we cannot hear you in council chamber. I am showing that you do have, you are unmuted on our end. Unfortunately, we still cannot hear you in chamber. If we, if, if we wish to take one moment, you may want to log off and rejoin the meeting um, and see if that fixes the technical error that we're experiencing. But unfortunately, I apologize, we cannot hear you. It looks like Julie has left the meeting and I will look for her on our attendee list to promote her back as a panelist again.
Okay, it looks like Julie Young is back in the meeting. Okay, we can see you on video. Hopefully we will be able to hear you this time. Unfortunately, we still cannot hear you. If you have the ability, perhaps on a, on a telephone, to call into the meeting, we could use the two devices. And apologies to, to members and our guests. And I will look for, for that phone number joining us. And then once you join the meeting, if you dial star nine, that will raise your hand. Okay. I do see a phone number ending in 1212. If you can nod um, if that is you and I have just given a phone number with the last four digits of one two one two and to unmute you dial star six can you hear me yes we can is is this Julie Young it is, and I, I don't know if you can see me on the video any longer. It looks like we do not have you on the video any longer, but we can hear you in the meeting. Okay. Um, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and proceed with comment and um, make sure that we at least can address those items. Thank you. I had included a letter. Thank you. I had included a letter to uh, the commission members. Uh, regarding the project. It's on page 153 of the agenda items. I think the most important issue that we want to talk about is that the project is satisfying the most urgent issue in our city of housing security. Uh, in addition, it meets climate goals. It use, utilizes sustainable materials that are zero waste building materials such as cross laminated timber. Those timbers are exposed on the inside of the unit, which creates a beautiful living environment. It delivers attainable workforce housing with rental rates starting at $13.50 per month, which includes all utilities. Uh, it enhances the retail experience of Insight Coffee, which is the neighborhood gem, which provides a full rooftop garden and deck as an amenity to the people that live at the project as well. It offers housing variety, as we've mentioned, with studio one and two bedroom units. It's walkable to downtown and has many on-site amenities, including bicycle storage. It includes public art. Uh, with regard to the workforce essential housing, a lot of um, 
feedback has been given that the units are small. Yes, the units are small, but in the square footages that are noted in the comment, the mezzanine uh, deck in the units is not included in that square footage, so there is actually more square footage than stated. We'd like you to know that in West Sacramento, we have a similar project that is studios only, the smallest units. On that project, we are building 148 units, and we currently have a waiting list of 40 people, and the project doesn't deliver until June of 2022. There is such demand for housing that people are willing to wait for the product. They are calling on the project just off the sign, which means the only way that they see it is to drive by the property. We've not started advertising, so there is absolutely a dearth of housing in the market and a great need for this type of housing. Uh, we are finalizing a lease with our neighbor for additional parking for time of day use in the evening. So to the south of the project, we can provide another 17 parking places to ensure that we comply with the parking code. This um, is, I work with many retail users and also commercial users in the Midtown area. I live in Midtown and I can tell you that I have people that work for retail operators that are clamoring for this type of workforce housing. I want you to know that there is no scenario where we can double the square footage and keep the cost the same and the rents the same. The housing that was built 10 years ago is not something we can replicate. Projects that I completed in 2020, I can no longer build for the same price. So this is every energy ounce we have is poured into this project to try to keep the rental rates as low as possible to satisfy workforce. We feel like um, we've also added a room in the project for secure bicycle storage where we can provide another 38 bicycle parking units. And uh, each unit in addition has bike storage within the unit. So uh, it's somewhat astounding to me that we continue to treat parking in a somewhat archaic manner as if parking is more important than people. My partner and I feel very passionate about this project in the sense that we wish to bring solutions for workforce. And if we do not bring solutions to workforce now, currently, we are never gonna stem the tide of our vulnerable population. And when we are letting people into city hall to sleep overnight because there is nowhere for them to live, to think that we're going to solve that problem when we can't even solve workforce housing is just astounding to me. So we continue to have these conversations, but I sincerely hope we receive commission support on this. Again, we need this housing now. This is something we can deliver by spring of 2023. As everyone I think who's involved in our industry knows, the material market is very unstable. The labor market is very unstable. We have hundreds of thousands of dollars invested in this project already, and we really wish to bring it to fruition and help be part of the solution for housing in our community. So um, with that, that concludes my comments, and I appreciate uh, you taking the time to hear me out. Thank you. Are there any questions for the applicant at this time from the commission? I have, but if somebody else wants to go first, I'm, I'm fine with that too. Go ahead. Okay. Um, when you said that it includes all utilities, so that includes Wi-Fi, right? I mean, I'm assuming you consider that. 
Thank you for asking that question. It does not include Wi-Fi, but it does include um, water, sewer, electrical, and everything that you would typically pay with an apartment. Okay, so it's heating and air conditioning, right? Or it would Correct. Be right. Um, I don't know. Um, it, with the project you have at West Sacramento, does does it include a park? Does it have uh, does it include parking on site for the all units? I I don't understand your question. My my question is: is you said that the that you have units that are very similar that have that you know are in high demand in West Sacramento, um, and so my question is: does it have you know, are you providing parking spaces for each of those units there, or is it comparable? Just see if it's a comparable product. Thank you. It is comparable. So it doesn't have. So it it, it doesn't have. It has. On this project, there's 17 spaces on site for 72 units. You have a similar uh, setup there. Correct. We have. 37 parking places for 148 units. Okay. Um, and then the 17 spaces that you're saying that you are going to be uh, getting from uh, leasing from uh, an adjacent property, you said so that the parking would be available on the evening. So I'm assuming it's, you know, they're used maybe by commercial tenants on, uh, you know, on the weekdays during the days. What about weekends? weekend days the time of day use would include uh, evenings and weekends for the residential okay. so it is a shared parking scenario for that parking lot uh, much like the city uh, has parking in the state office garages and it's used for time of day use so it's just basically bringing the highest efficiency to the surface parking lot and ensuring it's used during the day for work and in the evenings and uh, weekends for residents Right. And um, I saw from um, when you presented the, the plans to um, the preservation director hearing, you did not have the internal bicycle storage, right? I think you had a fitness center or something in that space, right? You are correct. We added that um, internal bicycle storage because based on the feedback we heard from the neighbors, they felt that secured bicycle storage was essential and we agreed with that. Right, and is it 32 or 38 in that room? Because the plant, it was, but it's, uh, is it 32 in that room and then, or 38? Because I think in two different spots in the staff report, it says two different numbers. So I could I, be wrong. I do believe it's, I think you are correct. I, I, I think it is 32 within the room and then six additional spots on site. And that does not include the, um, biking bike parking in the encroachment area at the front of the project in addition we did meet uh this week on tuesday with matt and stacy from the parking division and we are uh working on providing bicycle parking within the full encroachment area along uh 8th street so rather than having the bicycles on the street because we are preserving the trees and leaving the encroachment area as it is, 
when we met with them, we identified that we have area for additional bike parking that could be a good service and amenity for the residents as well as the community. And that's something that we're working on in our encroachment area. Okay, I think that's all the questions I have for now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions from commissioners? Okay, uh, then we will move on. I'm just letting you know that um, I'm gonna rejoin via Zoom, even though you won't be able to hear me, um, but I don't think you need me to speak any longer. So I will let go of the phone call and go back onto the Zoom call. Uh, you will have a chance after public comment, if you would like to say anything additional, there will be a chance then. Okay, so, uh, All right. I'll just hang on the phone then. That, that, thank you very much for clarifying. Sure. Okay, so we will move on to the appellant. That would be us. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen. We do have a PowerPoint that we wanted to share. So we're doing that. Uh, hello, I think some of you have heard from me uh, through email. So glad to put a face with a name. Thank you. I'm vice president of the SPNA Neighborhood uh, Southside Park Neighborhood Association. I'm here with Grant. Um, and I did want to thank you all for hearing our appeal. Uh, this is a important for us to be able to express our opinion on this property. Um, and the uh, Southside Park, you may or may not know, we are Neighborhood Association, we're a nonprofit and we are dedicated to improving the life of our neighborhood. Uh, these are our boundaries, you may or may not know, our street to the north, the WX freeway to the south and to the east is 12th Street and to the west is I-5. Um, I, uh, actually, I think we're going to, at this point, put, put the focus on Grant and um, did want to just, again, thank you for hearing our appeal. Um, yeah, thank you. I'm going to shift aside. Hello. Okay. Uh, so we are, let's see where we are. Now All right, so our goal is to reverse the October 7th decision to approve this project as designed. Um, our overall intention is not to reduce the number of houses in the area, but rather use the parking waiver to make these houses affordable and reasonable for the people that would be moving in here. So once again, we are in support of housing in general, but the project as designed is unreasonable and is essentially a subsidy to the developers at the expense of the tenants and the neighbors in the community. Uh, the grounds for our appeal is that this normally would be situated in a traditional district and would require 72 parking spaces. Uh, however, it's located almost exactly a half mile from the nearest light rail station, which would qualify it for a 36 parking spot exemption. Um, if we were to count the excess bicycle parking that the developers claimed, we could exempt another four spaces, leaving the total required spaces at 32. The developer instead is offering only 15, leaving a deficit of 17 spaces that are to be externalized on the general public. So here we are, this is a traditional parking space district, 72 spaces would normally be required for this. 
Um, and that is reasonable considering that there would be at least 80 tenants living in this, in this, in this complex. Um, as you can see, it is a half mile, almost exactly from the light rail station, uh, meaning that this 36, uh, 36 parking space reduction is tenuous at best. Um, most people would have to walk 10, 15 minutes to use a, a service that frankly is not really often utilized. Uh, the, the second parking exemption that the developer is claiming is for providing an additional amount of bicycle, long-term bicycle parking. Uh, there is a part of city code 1760820 that grants you a 10% exemption of your parking requirement, 10% of 36.4 spaces of reduction. Uh, however, we take issue with the initial design of the bicycle parking because rather than the developer providing it uh, at initial design, it was designed to be inside the tenants units themselves. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, we appreciate that the uh, developers decided to add in since the last staff report, uh, long-term bicycle parking. We think that's an improvement to the project. We lament that it's at the expense of the fitness center, but uh, what are you gonna do? Uh, okay, so as it stands, we are providing a subsidy of 17 parking spaces as a community to the developer. Um, and so they're only providing 15 to 32 parking spaces. Uh, this is a little bit dated uh, because at the initial design, there were only eight bike racks on the site plan. Therefore, short-term biking um, would most likely be used by Insight itself. And no long-term bicycle parking was provided despite the fact that 36 was required. Um, I state this because at the initial writing, all 72 parking spaces were inside the residential units which are as small as 280 square feet. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't know anyone that would walk up three flights of stairs and stash their bike in a 280 square foot apartment. Uh, this initial design went against the recommendations of the Sacramento Area Bicycle Association and um, pretty much just defies common sense. Uh, there are no elevators at the site, so. Uh, further, the developers offered uh, consolation in that they might provide parking at a, a nearby uh, lot. Uh, this is inconsistent with city code 1760820. You really have to have parking on the same site. And this is reasonable because at any point, the developer could terminate their arrangement with the neighboring property and just externalize the parking once again on the public. Um, furthermore, this might only be open on weekends and evenings, not be available to the general public, i.e. all of us, and would require some, and is just based on good communication with the with the office building. So this is not really reliable long-term parking. I think they changed it to 17 spots. Yeah. Not actually 36. Okay, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, once again, we are pro housing in the area. We just think that the developer is missing out on, uh, or the community is missing out on an opportunity to make these affordable by using parking for leverage to make these a, a reasonable price. Uh, had the developer made 34 of these units affordable housing, they could actually exempt the 17 spaces they're short, provide what they claim to offer, which is affordable housing to the general community. But instead, we are just giving this parking space to them with, with nothing in return. Uh, the other option would make these units much larger, which would be a habitable size for most people, so they wouldn't have to store their clothes in their car. Uh, we could just generally get these things up to 500 square feet, which is still a reasonable size for an apartment thereby reducing the number of units and thereby reducing the amount of parking that's externalized on the public. Uh, I did some census research and found that uh, at least 59 cars would be 
associated with this property. Uh, that is based on the most conservative estimates that all these one bedroom apartments only have one person living in them. So there's no, there's no couples assuming that the two bedrooms only have one person in each bed. And using a census data track from this actual Southside Park District, we find that 59 cars would be associated with this. This means that if only 15 parking spaces are provided, 45 of these cars would be parking in our neighborhood, circling around looking for parking and not really providing much of a greenhouse gas benefit. Furthermore, a lot of these parking spots in the area right now are used by homeless people. So if anything, we would be removing their, their domicile in order to accommodate the housing of uh, this developer. <clears throat> the developer has made claims that this is affordable housing. It is anything but uh, for their smallest unit, 288 square feet, the going rate is starts at, at a minimum at 1350. Uh, this is currently well above market rate um, for at $4.69 a square foot. Uh, a comparable development in the same neighborhood runs for $3.08. So uh, it might be disingenuous that the developer is saying they cannot afford to do this. And uh, our recommendation is that the, the developer comply with the very minimum of city code requirements. Uh, this is important for several reasons, most, mostly to make the housing affordable, make it just, and eliminate the appearance of undue influence uh, by virtue of these waivers that seem to come out of, of nowhere. Um, and that is all. We just request that we redesign this project. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, any commissioner questions of the appellant at this moment? Dan, I, I have a question, but I'll wait but, or I'll go. Um, <laughs> go ahead. I guess I should go. Um, I don't know if this is something that, you know, the, the appellant, because they, you know, are familiar with the neighborhood could address or whether it's staff that can address, but is there a, a residential parking permit program in that neighborhood and, and how does it work? Just because I'm unfamiliar with how they work here in Sacramento. Um, I know in some places like in San Francisco, I know if you live in a particular area, um, you can park there, you know, for as long as you like. Um, but if you are uh, a visitor to the area and you don't have a sticker on your car, you can only park there for two hours. Um, and they have some differences in terms of whether it's on weekends or, or in the evenings, whether they have different restrictions. So is there anything like this that in the Southside Park? I can, I can answer that, Commissioner. Um, as mentioned, uh, parking services has confirmed that the site is not within one of those. Um, residential parking program zones, and there's no current plan to remove the metered parking there um, in front of the project frontage. As the development uh, has requested to be provided fewer on-site parking spaces, um, the RPP permits for the nearby zone would not be extended to those tenants. So no, they wouldn't have access to it. Okay, so because, so, so, so if somebody moves into there, um, and I think the concern is, is is that people would be then parking not necessarily on on that block on Eighth or S Street, but that they would go down and park in the South Side Park neighborhood. And I don't know what the boundaries are of that of that. Uh, I'd like to know more about what the boundaries are of that. Um, 
per permit area and how and how it works on weekdays versus weekends and evenings because I, I understand from reading the letters from people that the the primary parking problem is not during uh, business uh, hours on weekdays but it's on weekends and uh, when you know the churches are open people come to the park people are home so I'd like to know more about how the parking works in the neighborhood in terms of restrictions. Sure, I can answer that question. My name is Carlo Felix, Senior Planner with Community Development. Uh, the specific RPP, Residential Parking Program Zone, that's closest to the project site is Zone H. So the closest streets that, um, or the closest properties that would have access to that are located along 9th Street and along T Street. So um, it's about a, one block away from the project site. Um, what is available is 10 hour metered parking along the project's frontage. And as uh, Mr. Lopez did uh, stated, the Parking Services Division of Public Works does not have any plans to convert over those metered parking spaces or to expand the RPP program or of Zone H to include this project site. Okay, I, I'm, I'm just curious because um, this area um, up until last year or the end of 2019, when we adopted the historic district plan, this block was not even in the historic district. It was added uh, in that process. And so, and I think that that's the reason why this is all coming to us instead of maybe the planning and, you know, Planning and Development Commission uh, dealing with the parking issue um, as apparently the primary issue. So um, I'm just trying to, you know, get my head around this and I've only had the staff report since Friday. And um, I think uh, I'm not gonna comment because I'll wait to comment time, but you know, uh, fuller information about how parking works in the neighborhood you know, or doesn't work in the neighborhood from, you know, a staff analysis perspective uh, would be good to have rather than, you know, anecdotal uh, comments from people. Okay, that's, and then of any other questions, I, I don't have a specific question, uh, you know, for the appellant, other than that, uh, you, uh, and you've already recognized it, they, ha they have, there have been changes made to the project with regard to bicycle parking since you first appealed, correct? Uh, yes, that is correct. We are happy to see that some long-term uh, bicycle parking has been added. Um, sorry about your jam, Dennis. Okay, all right, that's what I got. Thank you, uh, Commission, uh, Vice Chair Miller-Cruz. Yes, I had a question, not for the applicant or the appellant, but really it's a process question. And so it's a question, I guess, to staff or to council to understand what, what is in our purview as the Historic Commission to comment on, because it looks to me that we have two tasks, essentially, they're sort of subtasks. It's to determine whether or not it complies with the Historic District Plan 
and as a part of that, whether or not it complies with the Secretary of the Interior standards. Staff respond. Hi, thank you, Carla Felix, Senior Planner again. Um, so the application before you is for site plan design review, which generally includes all aspects of the development, including architectural design, um, historic district plan compliance, uh, Secretary of Interior um, standard compliance, as well as parking. So the commission has full authority to review uh, the entirety of this application. Uh, can I have a follow-up question on that? Uh, Chair, may I ask a follow-up yes. question? Um, typically, you know, in, in the past, you know, and I, I've been on the commission now for close to six years. In the past, when projects would come before us um, that had issues like parking requirements, from my memory, what would typically happen is, is that the planning, you know, the park, uh, we, the Preservation Commission, would uh, review the site plan and design from its impact on historic resources and make a recommendation on that. And then we, these issues dealing like with waivers or parking requirements or setback requirements, they were referred up to the Planning and Design Commission, uh, which typically dealt with those things. But it's, am I correct? in understanding that after we act tonight, there's not a next step to the Planning and Design Commission, right? We're kind of like it. Maybe that's a question for legal counsel or Carlos, but I, I just would like to understand that when we act tonight. Sometimes in the past, when we acted on projects, I knew that there were some issues that you know were outside of our purview that there would be subsequent dialogue and there'd be more discussion and that was fine um, because these things, you know, evolve or as, as, as people know more about the projects or have more time to review a project. Um, so could somebody clarify what our action will do tonight? If, if either we approve the project and deny the appeal or if we didn't, or if we approve the appeal and I guess deny the project? What does that mean? Yes, I can answer that. Um, so in terms of uh, the item before you, this is an appeal. And after the Preservation Commission's decision, there is no further appeals of that decision. So this is the final action on this application. In terms of um, the previous items that have been before this commission, um, I'm trying to think of the exact year, but um, you may be recalling a time where an application included a tentative map, which would, would be under the purview of the Planning and Design Commission, as well as site plan and design review. And if that was on a historic property, that would be under the purview of this commission. Um, back in 2020, I believe, with what we call the uh, ad hoc ordinance, which did a lot of streamlining of our provisions, um, that eliminated the requirement that tentative maps go up to the Planning and Design Commission so that they could be reviewed at the director level. So this item is, uh, in terms of this specific type of appeal process, it is uh, new to the commission since the adoption of that ad hoc ordinance. So um, this director decision is appealable to Planning, excuse me, Preservation Commission, and that is a final action for this item. Okay, thank you. Great, thank you. Um, 
so uh, looks like uh, Courtney. I think, go ahead. Great, thank you, Chair. Um, before you move to public comment, if the commission is done with um, questions, Commissioner Whitelam, you mentioned at the start of this that you um, had a meeting with the applicant and may have some disclosures, but depending on their presentation, just to confirm was all the information you learned during that meeting presented? Um, and if not, if you wanna disclose now so the public and applicant sure. will have a chance to rebut. Sure. Um, I met with them uh, uh, on uh, December 3rd, um, virtually. Um, it was not a long meeting. It was like 15 meeting, 15 minutes. They basically presented um, their points. Um, and this is uh, what I recall those points were. Um, they, had their, they raised the questions about the, num about the, the affordability of the project um, and uh, why, why the construction cost was so high. Um, they raised the question about the parking impacts on the neighborhood. Um, they raised the point uh, that they did tonight about uh, the developer's offer to allow residents to park in an adjacent parking lot um, was uh, not, uh, uh, they didn't feel that was acceptable. Uh, I don't know if mitigation is the word, but acceptable as an acceptable solution. Um, they did raise the point that I, I just remembered that um, if they if the developer was required to pay it a park maintenance fee, um, that rather than go into the general fund, and I think it's a figure of around ninety-seven thousand, that it go that rather than go into a general citywide fund, that it should be directed and expended on uh, Southside Park. Uh, they also brought up the issue about inadequate bike parking, which has been addressed tonight, and there have been changes on this. Um, and they were concerned about the precedent of having a project of, of this type. I think their concern was the small size of the units uh, and their cost, the precedent that would set for other projects in the neighborhood. Um, and they asked, uh, they asked about, you know, what happens after the Preservation Commission acts, you know, acts tonight. And that's one of the reasons why I asked the question, because I, I think it needs to be, it needs to be clear um, what our, what our action, you know, what, what will happen after our action. So I, I brought that up. Um, I think that that is it? I mean, the general concern is it's we're favoring a development project over consideration of neighborhood impacts. So that's the points that they brought. And I, I think this has been addressed in both the staff report and in the comments that have been submitted that I think all the, all the members of the commission would have had a chance to take a look at. Okay. Great, thank you. Uh, are there any other commissioner questions? at this time. Okay, so with that, we will go to public comments. Uh, again, if you would like to speak on this item, please raise your hand in Zoom and uh, the clerk will uh, call on you. And I'll turn it over to you at this time. Thank you, Chair. We have currently four members of the public with their hand raised, five members 
with their hand raised to make comment on this item. Our first speaker is Paul Trudeau. Hey there, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you. Great. Yeah, uh, my name is Paul Trudeau. I'm in, uh, I live in the Southside Park neighborhood. Uh, essentially, of course, uh, well, the neighborhood association points. Um, I appreciate the effort the developer and the commission have, have made to uh, make this compatible with uh, you know the historic district that we enjoy here, um, and the attention to you know making you know bicycle traffic and all that. But uh, we do have permit parking here uh, that the commissioner was talking about. Uh, a lot of residents still are chasing parking spots, trying to find some on a daily basis. And uh, I, you know, I'm all for reducing car use, um, but I think it has to be a um, uh, supply and demand uh, kind of uh, solution. But you can't just take away people's ability to use cars and not have something else in place. Uh, so we need to be beefing up uh, our public transportation options. You know, the, um, what, are the, what are those red bikes called that you could rent? You know, they were all over the city before COVID, and now they're nowhere. And uh, you know, alternatives like that would be great, but they're they're not around right now. Um, and as the affordability is a pretty big thing, I don't think. Uh, anybody living under the freeway just blocks from here is going to be in these apartments. Um, the rents they're quoting are probably three times what anybody even on benefits, uh, you know, who's getting a check could uh, afford even stretching it. Um, yeah, so I definitely endorse the uh, Neighborhood Association's suggestion uh, to build in uh, affordable uh, units as a percentage of all the units there. That's it, thanks. Thank you. Our next speaker tonight is Amarni Ledger. Yes, uh, good evening. I, I live in Southside Park. I support the Neighborhood Association's appeal of the waiver of required parking and approval of illegal offsite parking for this 72 unit project located on our northern border of Southside Park. The city's failure to enforce zoning codes amounts to a lucrative developer subsidy that will surely exacerbate high housing costs in Southside Park and potentially contribute to homelessness when residents can't pay rising rental prices. Our city leaders claim to support affordable housing, but their actions in approving above market rate housing like this show otherwise. If they truly wanted to promote affordable housing, they would require developers to... I lost her. She's gone. It, it appears that we have lost um, we we have lost the caller. But uh, please rejoin the meeting um, and and raise your hand again. I'm going to move on to the next speaker. Is a Mark Taviani. Yeah. Um, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yeah, Mark Tavianini is my name. Um, and I uh, hope Marnie will come back on. Um, I'm also. Um... That's gone too. Yeah, what happened? Sorry. 
Um, my computer sometimes goes crazy here. Um, just quick comments here. I, I think the developer is being way aspirational in terms of the uh, ability of people to uh, shirk their cars. I am a former air quality person. I used to work for the state. So I'm in favor of reducing the number of cars, but I think this is done in a in an extreme manner. Um, basically, it's taking a, a, a hatchet to the normal parking um, requirements, and I just do not think people are going to be able to jettison their cars. Um, another point, I, I do want to say thank you for increasing the bike parking. That was something that was near and dear to my heart. I was looking at the whole thing of trying to have people with bikes, which is an alternative, but um, even with the number of spaces they have, um, that's probably not going to be enough if we want to encourage people to have things like e-bikes and that kind of thing. Um, people need to be able to probably carry their bikes upstairs. They can't do that with um, a heavy e-bike. So I think that's something uh, that needs to be considered in terms of the, the bicycle parking and in terms of this project. Um, and, and finally, um, this is called workforce housing. And it, it dawned on me that um, we are kind of, this kind of becomes a, a ground for creating and I pardon the word here, but I have no better word, kind of a ghetto for uh, workforce housing versus having a more diverse um, housing component, um, such as families. I do not want our neighborhood to all of a sudden become this place where, okay, all of the working people are going to go here, and then um, else, everybody else will go elsewhere. I'd like to see um, something that would uh, make this project more diverse, and part of that would be larger units, uh, and part of it would be affordability. Um, so those are my comments. Um, I appreciate the chance to speak. Thank you. Our next speaker tonight is David Mandel. Yes, hello, will you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Sorry, we can't use our video. It'd be nice to see the speakers too. Um, I also live in the neighborhood on T Street. I endorse the appeal of the Neighborhood Association. I feel um, very strongly that we need more affordability in the central city and in this neighborhood in particular. We don't need things that are just going to, to gentrify it more. Um, our city, our county, uh, most of our state and most of the countries is, is experiencing a housing crisis, which is just embarrassing for the richest country in the history of the earth that, that we have so many thousands or maybe even millions, if you look nationwide, of people who cannot afford a roof over their head. Um, Obviously, this one project is not the solution to that, but it's an opportunity to say, no, we're not going to go any have any more of something that's just market rate or even above market rate housing only. We're going to insist that as things uh, get developed in our city, that there be a significant number of those units that are available for people who have very low incomes or even no incomes. Uh, housing is a human right. It shouldn't be a commodity that's uh, organized for the profit of the people who who uh, own the land to develop it and build it. Um, and, and about this, in particular, I would just add to the fact that the, the promised prices are you know, way out of line for anybody who is <clears throat> has a low income job uh, or perhaps is struggling with having a job at all these days, which is a lot of people still. Um, but there's the way our, our, even our slightly improved uh, tenants protection uh, in the city now uh, limits the amount that the rent could be raised uh, during that. But it, but with the market, the shortage in the market, there's absolutely nothing to prevent the uh, owners to raise the rent as much as they want when somebody moves out and somebody moves in. So that even, you know, there's, there's no even long-term guarantee of the slight 
element of affordability that, that the developer is claiming exists right here right now. Um, housing exists now to uh, as, a, as a commodity, which means that it's not, uh, you know, somebody mentioned that this um, subsidy, uh, the, the lack of parking is going to be passed along to the residents who will have to put up with no with uh, no parking opportunities on site or very few. Um, there's no guarantee of that. O owners of real estate charge whatever they can get away with, whatever the market will bear. And that's just something we need to, 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 to realize and uh, do something about. There was a story in the SEC B a few days ago, last week maybe, about all this huge development of housing going on downtown. Um, almost none of it. There's one, there was one project that actually had an element of affordability in it. I was just appalled to see that. So, you know, this problem is much bigger than this one project, um, but here's a, an opportunity where we can say, no, we insist there be more affordability in our neighborhood, in this in this section of the city, and in the city as a whole. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is PJ. Let's see, I am currently giving you permission to unmute. Sorry, I thought I had. <laughs> um, all right. Um, I would just like to say that I have lived in the Midtown area for 20 years. I agree with the appeal of the Neighborhood Association. The available parking is a huge issue. I currently work in air quality, and while the reduction of cars is the ideal, it's being done in a ham-handed manner and often to ensure that the developer can squeeze more units into their property rather than providing available space for tenants to, who may not be able to get rid of their cars necessarily. It's not a definitive that someone who wants to live in the area is going to have a job in the area as well. And transportation in Sacramento is low to moderate as far as public transportation. So it's not really an option for many people to commute a lot of the time. Um, at least uh, consistently via public transportation. I know we're working on that, but it's not to where it needs, needs to be currently. I mean, I encourage the, the getting rid of cards, but this issue is one of choice. And I think people really need to be able to make that decision without necessarily being forced by the developer. Uh, this, this will start gentrification of the area. Um, typically the uh, Southwest portion of the grid tends to be more affordable um, lower income, more large families, and this is this this price is just crazy. The spaces will not be large enough for families, and will definitely not be affordable for anybody anybody earning minimum wage, as it is well above one third of income for folks earning minimum wage. Um, my rough calculation is about five dollars per square foot compared to most housing. The high end, the, the more expensive housing. Uh, like right around the, the typical market rate is around $3 per square foot affordable, like uh, more affordable is about $2 per square foot. And this is like le leaps above any of that. Um, also, we have been short about 59,000 affordable units in this city that are required that we need in order to get actually get people housed um, consistently for the past several years. Um, guaranteed return with above market rate housing is not tenable if we care about those with low incomes. We need affordable housing at a minimum, not to, even, not to mention the extremely low income we need to ensure our homelessness crisis doesn't continue to balloon even more so, especially after uh, the pandemic is, is over. The reality is that we need service workers in the central city. We can't have them commuting for 10s, 20, 30, 40, 50 miles 
because they need affordable housing, but they work down here. It's a reality that we have low-income workers in the central city. They need to have someplace to live. And by keeping them nearby, we don't increase our bad air quality as we pump more, uh, more and more pollutants into the air if they have to commute longer. This results in more traffic, more congestion, and it will all result in a net loss for our communities. Thank you. Thank you. And it looks uh, Marnie Ledger has rejoined to finish comments. Oh, thank you. I, I don't know when I was cut off, but I think I left uh, with the mixed income housing fees that uh, high density developers like this can avoid paying and that would contribute to um, low income housing developments but this developer got a pass on that this 72 unit warehouse like design with 15 parking spaces is overwhelmingly opposed by neighbors as noted in more than 30 comments i think to date i see it as evidence of the city's failure to support our middle income area of modest bungalows <laughs> City leaders do not follow zoning rules for parking when major developers are involved and thus the waivers are amount to taxpayer subsidies that will increase the already terrible parking problems in our neighborhood. Furthermore, our leaders give lip service to our historic district plan when they cherry pick design rules in favor of such warehouse style projects, disregard design rules that are intended to enhance our historic neighborhood. Our leaders, leaders and this commission particularly could do more to support our community by directing this project's park maintenance fees of approximately 98,000 to be used to maintain Southside Park that has a long list of unfunded projects. This should be at a minimum a condition of approval. The lack of city support for our Southside Park neighborhood is evidenced on our Southern border along W Street as well. While our neighborhood has supported safe grounds, we are not happy about the 100 plus tents and campers that have parked adjacent to safe ground. We've had to deal with the illegal and nuisance activities and garbage littering our areas every day. I am well aware of these problems because I live a block away. The city has not done enough to clean up the streets of our southern border. And with this 72 unit complex with, without adequate parking, the city is contributing to future problems along our northern border. In summary, it's time for city leaders and planners to stop cherry picking design guidelines that do not enhance our historic district, but instead subsidize developers who build above market rate housing and disregard bike and parking code requirements that would enhance our neighborhood. Just ask yourselves, would city leaders waive parking and design requirements in wealthier neighborhoods like Land Park, Curtis Park, North Natomas, or ESAC? We all know the answer is no. We ask that you support our Southside Park neighborhood by opposing this project. Thank you. Thank you. Chair, there are no other members of the public who wish to make comment on this item tonight. Great, thank you. Uh, so at this point, uh, we have a chance for the applicant to make a rebuttal. Uh, Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, thank you. Uh, first of all, I want to remind everyone that the square footage stated is incorrect. Um, they were speaking in terms of 280 square feet, albeit they are still small. They are 350 square feet when the mezzanine is included. Yeah. The fitness center was not eliminated. There were two of them. 
Uh, we removed one to make sure that there was long-term secure bike storage for the um, 32 bikes on the interior. So we still have the fitness center. Parking next door that we are proposing uh, that we lease, which we're negotiating with the tenant with currently, we actually own that site, so it's not volatile. The parking is viable, and it is um, the highest and best use for it to be time of day use. This is not an affordable project, but it is an attainable project. And whether or not people take exception to the size of the unit, I challenge people to try to find anywhere to live in Midtown or Sacramento downtown where you can rent for $13.50 a month. There is no way to double the square footage and charge the same rate. It's just not, it, it, it's, out, it's thrown out there as if that idea has merit and we're just simply ignoring it. It's just simply not factual. There's no way to build twice the square footage and keep the pricing the same. Again, with the mix, we have studios, we have one bedrooms, we have two bedrooms. This is very much open to families. In fact, today I was at Ginger Elizabeth Patisserie on J Street and I spoke to four different people that work there that asked to have their name on the waiting list and two of them are married and one of them has two children. So when we're talking in terms of people, we're talking in terms of our workforce and we're talking about people who want to live and work in Sacramento and eliminate cars. I talk with those people every day. I see those people every day. I have helped build environments where they go to work and helped build environments where they can live. The driver for this project is I have built high-end projects in Sacramento and I know that rental rates for studios go as high as $3,200 a month and we're talking about delivering product at $13.50 a month. So it, it is just my sincere hope that we value people over automobiles and there will be changes to our community to accommodate housing. It will mean that all of us are gonna be a little uncomfortable with some of these changes, but this housing is essential. I've been called disingenuous at the same time that I'm signing personal guarantees for very large loans and being asked to contribute $98,000 to the park. So I remind you that it is uh, with great sincerity that we put this project forward. We completely believe in housing and we hope we receive the approval from the commissioners this evening. Thank you. Thank you. So with that, I will close public comment. Um, and I don't believe uh, we take any other uh, discussion. Um, Courtney, if at this point after the applicant rebuttal um, from the uh, appellant, is that correct? I'm seeing uh, Ms. Kazumaki's hand raised. So I just want to Right, so we, we completed the order in terms of appellant, applicant, applicant rebuttal. If Ms. Kaza, I'm sorry, I can't read it, Kazamaki wants to make a brief statement and the, um, the applicant will have a chance to respond, but after that it needs to be um, cut off. We, we certainly don't want people going home thinking they didn't have a chance to speak, but we have done the process. Okay, thank you. So uh, Ms. Kazumaki, if you'd like to make a brief statement, uh, again, the applicant will have a chance um, after that, but go ahead. 
Yeah, thank you. I, I guess this is me personally at this point making public comment and I apologize for not jumping in on that uh, five minutes ago. So, you know, really, again, our neighborhood is very supportive of housing. As you know, we want to we want more people here. We want more families here. This project has seven two bedrooms. So yeah, out of 72 units, we'll have potentially seven small families wanting to live here. Um, I think uh, we have done our homework regarding uh, local rents. I mean, I live here and I have, you know, most of my friends live here. So those, those rates um, are actually, uh, the, the $5 a square foot for this project, which is, Close well, 469 a square foot for this project um, uh, versus $3.08 for uh, a comparable four story brand new building. It's called the South Sider that's renting, it looks just like it, um, four blocks away. So, um, I this idea that uh, people are going to give up their cars uh, with this project and that 59 new cars are not gonna show up in our neighborhood is actually just not a, not gonna happen. And having people search around, roaming around the streets, trying and roaming around the neighborhood, trying to find a parking spot is, uh, changes the quality of life for me as a, as a neighbor and for the people who are living in these houses. So parking is the essential thrust of what we want to impart on the commission. And all of the waivers that they've been given for various reasons is, uh, is is our main point. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Vice Chair, do you have, we would, we'll take the uh, applicant. It, does that work or do you have something that you like to, I see your hand raised. Okay, it's down, thank you. Uh, okay, uh, Ms. Young, if you would like to say anything else, uh, you're welcome. Uh, closing brief statement, otherwise we will move on. Can you hear me? Yes, now we can. Okay. I just want to uh, reiterate that we have provided for the variance in parking at uh, the additional 17 spaces uh, next door on the site that we also own. I want to reiterate that we have upped the bike parking uh, with the 32 enclosed spaces in the room and that we are working on the encroachment permit for the full frontage of uh, 8th Street for bicycle parking and we're currently working with the City of Sacramento on that. I just want to close with please choose the people over the cars. And I, I don't know what more I can say, but we hope for your approval. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I will close public comment and open up to commission discussion uh, and then motion. Uh, um, I, I would like to hear from the um, commissioners who are architectural, you know, historical preservation, who have that expertise. I do not, I'm, I'm on it for uh, general public and urban planning. Um, I would like to hear them comment in terms of the uh, issues raised about uh, how the uh, design meets, complies, addresses uh, uh, the historic resources in the neighborhood. Um, 
So I'd appreciate it if one of my fellow commissioners would weigh in on that. Uh, Vice Chair, would you like to? Yes, I actually am going to start. I'm going to start with one quick question, um, just because it was a lot of materials to sift through for this uh, meeting. I wanted to clarify: Are the parking exemptions? hinged it all on affordable housing, affordable housing based on, I don't know, federal or state guidelines, or is it the parking exemptions hinged upon the transit-oriented corridors? And I think that this is maybe a question for a planner, but I'll start with that because I don't want to forget to ask this question because I, I I'm, this question of parking and whether or not it meets design standards is not necessarily my professional area of expertise. Mm -hmm. uh, staff, is that something that we can get a little bit of clarification on? Just the breakdown of kind of how that parking? Yes. Um, so, so under the general provision section of our parking regulations, um, it outlines various ways that you could reduce or increase parking requirements. One of those is a reduction for affordable housing or senior housing projects. And to qualify for that, you would have to be an income restricted uh, development where we would deed restrict it for a period of 55 years through SHRA. Um, so this, uh, the affordability level or the rental or for, for sale level is not accounted for when calculating parking for this type of application. So the, the parking for this project was, uh, I believe it's, as it was laid out, one stall per unit, and then that was cut in half due to the proximity to public transportation. Very generally, yes. So you, we start off with the table that the appellant showed that shows how you start the calculation. And then you can move to other sections of the code that shows ways or other factors that may reduce that. And from there, there are alternatives that you can pursue to further reduce that. Um, the most, uh, the one that's typically used is our administrative parking permit process, which um, uh, is, is one that uh, can eliminate parking through or reduce parking through additional bicycle parking, motorcycle parking, um, shared use vehicles, electrical parking as examples. And can you, um, I think the question is the, the waiver that was approved, can you talk through that process or the kind of what the thought was behind that uh, to approve that? Um, Yes, so typically most applicants will uh, utilize the administrative parking permit process. It's a ministerial application where if you meet those standards, we grant you that, uh, that alternative. Included, included in that is use, uh, the use of offsite parking facilities. So you do share that lens for more efficient use. However, for this particular case, uh, that was not available given that the residents would not have full access to that parking lot at all hours. However, um, we do have many developments in the central city that have no parking that utilize existing parking facilities. So it's not uncommon to utilize the administrative parking process uh, to achieve that. The second alternative, which is the waiver of minimum and maximum parking requirements, 
which is the action before the commission tonight, um, that one does have um, an allowance of up to 75% of minimum parking to be waived at a director level hearing. Um, there are no specific standards um, that would, uh, that the code outlines that uh, provides guided, you know, uh, established standards for the commission to consider. But um, the parking regulations do have a purpose. And I think those are the items that are in the staff report that staff believes and feels that this uh, uh, development achieves and therefore was supportive of the parking waiver request. And I believe it is uh, based on those facts that the director approved the parking waiver as part of site plan design. Okay. Thank you. Does that, uh, Vice Chair, everyone, does that clarify? That was very helpful. Yes, thank you. Great. So could somebody address, uh, you know, how they feel the analysis one of my commissioners, I mean, um, who are on this commission because they are preservation professionals, whether um, comment on the analysis that has been provided in the staff report versus how this project's design addresses histor the historic district guidelines. Vice Chair, would you? Yes, I'll weigh in on that also. Um, I think that based on the staff report and my reading and understanding of the historic district plans, the project as proposed complies with the standards broadly. I haven't done a detailed review because what we were tasked for for this meeting, but the project as designed is in conformance with the standards. Thank you. Yeah, this is an interesting location. It's, uh, while it is within the district, uh, it is on a commercial corridor. And so you have a little bit different feel um, with the industrial buildings along there uh, and scale. And so it's, uh, you do have uh, uh, kind of these, you have both, I know there's a church across uh, as well as um, kind of the maybe Beatnik Studios building and the auto, they've got a lot going on along here. Um, and so this kind of uh, contemporary design um, does fit into, I think this particular block, uh, certainly in other areas of the district, it would not, um, but for this location, um, I do think that the, um, the design is, appropriate. Uh... Yes, and I'll just weigh in a little bit more that it because the historic building faces the numbered street and really taking up most of existing street parking, it sort of changes. The design is less impactful to the primary elevation of the historic building. Are there uh, other commissioners who have uh, discussion items? Thanks for consideration. Well, 
you know, I'd, I'd like to, no one else, I'd like to say that, you know, I think, I think architecturally, um, and I am an architect, the, the design is sensitive, certainly to, to the uh, existing building in, in, in my, in my opinion, and um, I appreciate the sensitivity with, with which it's done. Um, you know, the questions of affordability and what the developers should do and, and whether they should have, you know, made them affordable or done something different uh, like that. I, I think in, I, you know, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that the city of Sacramento is a partner to this project. I don't think that the city of Sacramento is making any contribution to this project. And, you know, in my past life, when I was with CADA, there were many projects we had where we were a participant in the project. So reviewing things like, you know, the developers uh, performa and what they were making, we, obviously we were integrally involved because we were investing in the project and uh, we were the public partner. But I don't think that that's what we have going on here. And, and I think when, you know, and I, I have built and managed affordable housing for most of my life over periods through five recessions and coming back from each of them. And um, what you could have afforded to build, you know, three years, maybe even a year ago, and what you can afford to build at any particular time, it's, it's very difficult to just compare them. Um, and primarily, you know, one of the factors is underlying land values. Um, you know, the fact, the fact is, as we all want compact growth so that people can, you know, not have long commutes, you have, it's better for the environment, land prices go up. And, you know, what somebody could have afforded to do a year ago, you know, you know five years ago, or even a year ago, six months ago, it's, it can all be different. I have no idea how long the developers own this piece of property. And I don't think that's really, you know, germane to what, what we're saying. I, I am I am a strong proponent for affordable housing and the size of the units does concern me. And I agree with everyone that we should have, uh, uh, we need to have units in the central city that allow for family formation. And I think that's why the city in, in, is taking other actions. You know, it is the whole ADU, the whole uh, process is one way to address that because then you have you have landowners who already own the land. And um, I think you need to have not either this or that, but probably both to meet our housing crisis. And I think that's kind of, that issue is kind of like outside of our, you know, our sort of jurisdiction um, or, or the request to us. Um, but I, um, and I, I at least was heartened to hear that the, the price that they're talking about does include, you know, electric, you know, electricity. So I'd imagine, I don't know, but I'd imagine that brings the price down some from 1300. Um, so, um, and the units are a little bit bigger, although, you know, someone my age, and I don't think I'll be living there, but someone my age is not going to be able to get up to that mezzanine very easily up a ladder, but there are people in our city who can. Um, all that being said, I think the parking issue is something that we do need to look at. And I, I don't feel comfortable tonight um, 
either approving the appeal or approving the project. Um, because again, as I said, we got the staff report on Friday. Um, and I, I don't think that the staff report provides adequate information about the parking impacts, uh, about how the residential permit parking program could be amended uh, some way to address some of these concerns or about uh, the parking on 8th and T Street and how that, how that could be amended. And I, I think that since parking is so critical, it would be, I'd appreciate having more information about what the parking services uh, department's plan is for this because the city um, the, the thing that that uh, the neighborhood association brought up to me was this is a precedent for a project and on the on the affordability side of it I don't think that's germane for us to get into but the precedent side of it I do think that they're possibly you know land use decisions do not do not exist separately from the parking regulations and um, I think as we're going for more density here, which the central city specific plan allows and encourages basically that we do this. Um, so there is, there are findings of fact that allow the city to do this, that not everything is, you know, land use decisions, sometimes operationally, you need to address them. And um, I would like to know more before I take a vote on this because I, I don't want, I want to encourage this project to happen and um, because we need the housing desperately. Um, but I also think you can't just say, well, the neighborhood will, will live with it. I don't think that's an appropriate way to, uh, to act because everyone in the neighborhood are property owners too. They're property developers too. They've just done, did it a while back and we need them to help us solve the housing problems. So I, I'd respectfully request that we continue this item to, and, and that we get staff get us better information on uh, parking on from the parking services department about how some of these concerns about uh, where these people will park uh, can be addressed by city's things. I appreciate that the developer says that they will lease another building, but I think the point is, is, is that that is outside of the control of anybody over time. And I, I do not know the development, you know, uh, Miss Young at all, but, um, and maybe she keeps her properties forever, but, um, and she seems to be, you know, uh, committed to, uh, you know, to improving areas, but they can sell it, it can go away. And, um, I think the city needs to really take a look at when you make land use decisions, you've got to have how they how you connect with your with your operational things like parking services can help mitigate that. So, um, and I just don't know enough right now. Um, I will try and educate myself further if if we continue this. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, other commissioners, can I get a a read on kind of the, I think um, we've determined that architecturally uh, from what I've heard that we feel like this is um, acceptable. And uh, I think from a, a affordability standpoint, that is uh, 
this is a private development and uh, you know we looked uh, early on in the year uh, beginning of 2021 uh, staff presented the housing element for the next phase and uh, I think one of the interesting things about that was that all housing is needed to solve the housing um, crisis uh, we need every kind of housing there is uh, and so uh, and yes, we have uh, imminent um, major issues, um, but uh, but that's um, again that's bigger than this project. So I think in terms of the parking, I'd like to hear from the other commissioners, um, Commissioner Whitelam's uh, kind of concern, and if this is something that we would like to uh, discuss with staff in terms of what that additional information would be and um, if continuing is is possible, if that's a uh, overriding concern from other commissioners. I'll, I'll speak. Um, I, I I think the, the parking is seems to be the pinnacle of the argument here and it's uh, I feel it's a little unusual, I guess, for our commission to be weighing in on a parking issue, um, especially as it relates to maybe the circulation through the neighborhood. <clears throat> you know, we would normally weigh in on it when it's um, in uh, parking directly on the site of a historic property that we're looking at. And I think that's what they have has been done well by putting the parking behind the building. So you don't really see that. Um, but it's, uh, in, it's a bit of a catch 22, I think, uh, of what should come first? Uh, would it be the RT, the regional transit, the you know public transportation? Does that have to get um, increased and, and bolstered in order to allow these types of housing developments to happen, or or does the housing development come and then the people that live there realize that yeah, it's really difficult to park my car. I'm going to sell it, and you know after a couple of years of putting up with that, they sell it and then start trying to do more public transit. So, it, you know, I think it could could probably be argued either way. Um, whether to your question, um, Chair Villania, if we should continue this or not, I, I, I would wonder, I guess, what other information we could receive from staff on it. I, I think that other information would be a, a proposed alternate um, to the parking situation and it didn't seem like there were any other alternates being proposed. Um, there was argument for, you know, more parking, even basement parking on the site, which I think we probably understand that that's going to be too expensive to make the pod, the project, um, pencil out from a financial standpoint. So, um, I guess my opinion on, on the continuance part would be that we could vote on it today. <clears throat> Great. Vice Chair. I'm sorry, I've got a lot to say tonight. <laughs> uh, I was wondering if the PowerPoint presentation slide that discussed how they did the math to get to this parking amount could be put up on the screen again, since we don't have the PowerPoint in our packet. So I guess it's a question for maybe Armando or um, Carlo. 
commissioners while Mr. Lopez is um, prepping the presentation. Um, if you have the staff report, it's on page 17. Um, table three parking requirements is a um, tabular form of that parking requirement. Okay, that's, that's perfectly sufficient for me, thank you. So I would ask uh, any other commissioners that um, either kind of discussion items or if you are um, would be prepared to vote um, tonight, that would help us move this along. I don't uh, have any direct comments. I, I think I would echo um, Commissioner Miller's sentiments about parking. I honestly don't know if additional information about the parking impacts would, would be that useful um, to me as it stands. I think I, after reading the staff report, um, I think I, I would agree with it and would be ready to make a vote. Thank you. Uh, Vice Chair, after reviewing that, do you have any other questions of staff or? Nope, that, that was exactly what I was looking for. Okay. I find it quickly. Great, thank you. Thank you. So I think that uh, looking at what I've heard so far that I would ask for, uh, I think a motion at this time, uh, and that would be either to approve the project or deny the project. Uh, approving the project would be per staff's recommendation uh, in the staff report and uh, denying it would deny the project. I would make a motion to approve the project um, per the staff's recommendations. Thank you. I have a I would second. Thank you. I have a, a motion by Commissioner Lemon and a second by Commissioner Carter. Uh, clerk, we have a vote, please. Yes, thank you. Commissioner Carter. Yes. Commissioner Lemon. Yes. Commissioner Miller. 
Yes. Commissioner Whiteland. Yes. Vice Chair Miller Cruz. Yes. And Chair Valania. Yes. Motion passes. Great. Thank you. Uh, thank you to everyone um, who uh, shared um, that was helpful information to receive tonight. And uh, we will move on to the next item, public hearing item number five, which is an ordinance listing 2701 E Street as a landmark on the Sacramento Register of Historic and Cultural Resources. And I believe we will have uh, Director DeCourcy back as well. Excellent. Uh, so I will pass to staff for the presentation. All right, thank you, Chair Valanya. Nice to be back with you tonight. Um, I'll go ahead and share my screen while I make a brief presentation. <laughs> All right, so again, Sean DeCourcy, Preservation Director with the City of Sacramento. And I'm pleased to present the landmark nomination for 2701 E Street. All right, so the property owner at 2701 E Street retained the services of historic environment consultants who prepared the historic evaluation for this property. The historic evaluation attached to your staff report concludes the property is a particularly good example of the craftsman architectural style. A type of architecture popular in California from the turn of the 20th century until the 1930s. Typical characteristics of the craftsman style found on this building include the gable roof form, the natural materials, including clinker brick on the porch and stair, the building's wood siding, knee brackets and rafter tails beneath the overhanging eaves, decorative wood balustrades on the full width front porch, and the shed dormer, and the window trim uh, and sills. SAF has received one letter of support for the nomination from Preservation Sacramento, which has been circulated to the commission as a supplemental item to your staff report. Staff recommends the Preservation Commission make a recommendation to City Council that 2701 East Street is eligible for listing in the Sacramento Register under Criteria 3 as a distinctive example of the Craftsman architectural style. This concludes my presentation, and I'm available to answer any questions you have about the nomination. Thank you. Uh, any questions from the Commission? And is there a, a applicant presentation or did they want to say anything? Um, I don't believe that the um, applicant is, uh, or the, the consultants or the property owner are here tonight. I, uh, they, they may have signed on. Um, looks like there is uh, a hand raise that may be the, the property owner. Um, can the clerk uh, 
Oh, does not, have they been elevated, uh, clerk? Yes, they've yes. been promoted to panelist. Okay. All right, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, this is Kelly Kennedy, I'm the property owner. Uh, we have owned the property since uh, 2015 and when we purchased it, it was in fairly bad condition. Um, since then, we have spent a significant amount of time trying to uh, restore it, uh, keeping in mind its uh, historic uh, nature and trying to make sure that our uh, restorations were period appropriate. Um, and I think that we have accomplished that. Um, the restoration is complete and um, we are using it as our family home. Great, thank you. Um, and if nothing else from staff, uh, are there any public comments on this item, clerk? Chair, there are no members of the public with their hands raised to make comment on this item tonight. Okay, great. I will close public comment. Uh, commissioners, any uh, discussion regarding this item? Otherwise, I will ask for a motion. I'll move that we approve staff recommendation. Thank you. Do you have a second? Second that. Thank you. I have a motion by Commissioner Miller, second by uh, Vice Chair Miller Cruz to move staff's recommendation. Thank you. Clerk, Chair. can I have a vote? Thank you. Yes. Commissioner Carter. Yes. Commissioner Lemon. Yes. Commissioner Miller. Yes. Commissioner Whitelam. Commissioner Whitelam, you are currently muted. Yes. Thank you. Vice Chair okay. Miller. <laughs> we, we received your affirmative vote. Thank you. Vice Chair Miller Cruz. Yes. And Chair Valania. Yes. Thank you. Motion passes. Thank you. And that will close our public hearings and uh, move on to any additional public comment uh, matters not on the agenda. Do we have any hands raised at this point? Chair, I have no hands raised for comments for matters not on the agenda tonight. Okay, thank you. Uh, then are there any commissioner member comments, ideas, conference reports, anything uh, that commissioners would like to uh, discuss tonight? Uh, hearing none, we will move on to the director's report. All right, thank you again, Chair Bologna. So um, I do have a few items for the director's report this evening. Um, first, I wanna talk a little bit about our grant projects that we've been working on. Um, we have, uh, as you may recall, we had uh, three grants that we were working on the last time that we met. 
Um, the first, the uh, uh, National Alliance for Preservation Commissioner um, CLG grant to host a camp training uh, took place uh, just after your last meeting on October 21st and 22nd. Several commissioners and staff were able to attend. Um, overall, it was a, a well-attended event with about 50 people attending the two-day, uh, the two-full-day training. It covered a variety of, of topics related to preservation and uh, commissioner best practices. Um, so uh, the OHP was extremely uh, satisfied with the with the attendance um, at the event and pleased with the with the training. Uh, we we got some good feedback from uh, from the state office of historic preservation on on that grant. So we've completed uh, submitting our request for reimbursement, and that grant is uh, is now closed. Um, next, I want to talk about a little bit about our public outreach CLG grant. This is also a CLG grant from the state office of historic preservation. Um, We've been working uh, over the past several months on that grant, um, and we have a final set of deliverables that we've received and reviewed. And I'm hoping to bring those to the commission um, early in 2022. We are still working through a final set of comments, um, more edits on the various deliverables uh, before we're ready to uh, make those public and bring them to the commission for a, a viewing. Uh, but those include um, an audit of our website, a postcard um, that will be mailed to property owners in historic districts, and then two educational videos um, that were shot in uh, and around Sacramento uh, this summer. And so uh, we'll be bringing back those, uh, those deliverables for you in a staff report in the future. Um, we've also submitted our final request for reimbursement on that grant, and so that grant um, is wrapping up as we go through our final editing phase. Um, and then the final grant, which is just getting started, is our grant from the National Trust. Um, it's the our African American Experience uh, grant that focuses on the African American experience in Sacramento from the city's early history to its recent past. And we've we've begun. Um, working with or coordinating with the National Trust on the grant scope uh, or the project scope. And um, we've kicked off our work with uh, several stakeholder groups, um, including Sacramento State students, uh, graduate students who are working on the oral history component and then thematic research papers um, focused on the topic. So those students um, are just wrapping up their their fall semester, and they'll be um, and they'll be um, submitting those projects to us that we can then provide to the consultant that will be working on the project. So we are um, we are trying to publish our request for proposals from a consultant in early January. We're just about wrapped up with uh, drafting that request for proposal. And um, we have a project website that will launch um, hopefully next week, but possibly push into early January with the holidays. Um, and so that concludes my summary on the grants that we're working on. Um, that's taken up quite a bit of time in the last, in the last uh, several uh, months since your meeting or a couple months since your meeting, since your last meeting in October. Um, and then next, I want to say a few words about our about current staffing in the department. 
So um, former director Anderson has returned as a staff aide or retired annuitant, and he's working exclusively on the grant projects that I just mentioned. So we're really uh, thankful to have him back to assist with those as they would otherwise take up uh, quite a bit of staff time, but um, he can really focus on them and take the lead, uh, particularly as we launch the National Trust Grant. Um, then we're interviewing this week for a new full-time junior preservation planner in the preservation section. So we're hoping to um, select a candidate uh, this week, but it may also push into 2022. Um, we have uh, several good candidates that have applied. So we'll be uh, conducting those interviews and, um, and making a selection um, sometime probably in early 2022 as well. And then we continue to maintain two interns, part-time interns, um, graduate students or undergraduates, depending. Um, we have um, one that, that has just left for a full-time position and we'll be filling his position. And then we have another that's been with the department uh, for quite a while, but plans to stay on for um, the next semester. So she'll be with us, um, particularly to help with the, with the grant project. So that'll be helpful to have her around, but they also spend their time uh, helping us process these landmark nominations that come before you um, and processing our preservation design review applications um, that, that mostly are staff level uh, reviews. Well, and then assisting with other duties as assigned, such as our plaque program um, or other ministerial uh, applications. So that concludes my director's report uh, this evening, and I can answer any questions you might have about the, the, the items I've discussed. Any questions from the commissioners? Okay, hearing none, um, I believe with that, we will adjourn the meeting. Thank you, everyone, uh, and we will see you next year.